Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, the podcast on how technologies are improving healthcare around the world. I'm your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and today's show is going to be all about a global effort to hack healthcare. Hackathons have, by today, become a popular approach for bringing people with various backgrounds in the same room, offering them a concentrated time, usually during the weekend, to come up with innovative approaches for various challenges. My guest today is Annie Lamontagne, Special Projects Advisor and former Head of Global Growth at Hacking Health, a global digital health organization currently active in 17 countries around the world. Annie and I talked about how are hackathons evolving throughout the years, what kind of experiences can Hacking Health chapters share among each other, since each chapter is active in a different country with a different culture. And Annie also mentioned some inspiring examples of solutions that were a product of hackathons organized inside the hospitals. Enjoy the discussion. And if you like the conversation, do leave a rating or a review in iTunes. All the comments are highly appreciated, so the show can be improved and found by anyone interested in digital health. Also, if you subscribe to the podcast, you will be automatically notified about each new episode. Topics coming up next are innovation in clinical trials, digging in the Estonian digital health infrastructure, how is AI cracking aging, and more. Now back to Hacking Health. Annie, do you prefer cold or warm weather? Oh, I love the four seasons. So that's why I came back to Canada. It was always warm in Brazil. And I love the, um, the possibility to, to change seasons every three or four months. So you lived in Brazil for, for a very long time and then uh, moved to Canada. Uh, how did that change happen in terms of weather? I think it was pretty drastic, wasn't it? Now, I'm French Canadian born. So, uh, and I lived um, 10 years in Europe as well in the Czech Republic and uh, Belgium. And then uh, for family reasons, I lived uh, 12 years in Brazil. That's also where I did my master's and PhD and had my children, got married and then came back to Canada with my family last year. So Hacking Health is also part of this. I was working uh, for Hacking Health as Director of Global Growth. Um, it was um, distance work. Our community is uh, a global community. We work on 17 time zones and over 50 cities are part. So you need really a good internet connection and um, be able to understand the different realities in the ecosystems, the cultural differences, the institutional context. And um, coming back to Canada allowed me to be closer to the headquarter. Hacking Health was uh, founded, was born and is um, uh, based in Montreal. The global team is based in Montreal. So it allowed me to be closer to the uh, global team as well and the co-founders. 
We're going to have plenty to talk about regarding how the whole organization scaled and um, what the role of hackathons is in the healthcare and innovation ecosystem. But just before we dive into that, I want to ask a little bit more about uh, your background, because you did a thesis on institutional configuration of corporate social responsibility in Brazil and Canada, and you did a master's in social sciences. Where does your interest for digital health come from? It seems like quite a shift. I think social science um, help us uh, understand complex social issues, challenges in a multidisciplinary way. And uh, I'm a person of great causes. So human rights um, were certainly dear to my uh, personal and professional um Path. Uh, I was involved with Amnesty International for more than uh, 20 years as a volunteer and a staff member. So this is really this knowledge of building communities for a great cause. So human rights, the environment, healthcare. I think this is really what uh, is central to uh, the lives of citizens and um, innovation in healthcare really uh, concerns everyone. Yes, it does. And you probably uh, saw a lot of changes happening um, in healthcare and in innovation ever since you joined Hacking Health. Yes, I think at the very beginning in 2012, Hacking Health um, brought to healthcare um, the concept of hackathons that already existed in the tech world. Um, it was the first time uh, the co-founders just shout out, like, let's bring healthcare professional and tech people together and, and co-create solutions together. Um, the answer was overwhelming. So a movement was born. It spread across Canada really quickly. And uh, just uh, the following years uh, to Strasbourg um, for the first edition of the Hacking Health Camp. And uh, now we see that on both sides of the oceans and also in the southern hemisphere, we have uh, ecosystems that are hosting their fourth, fifth, sixth annual event and are not only active uh, during the hackathons, but really um, all year around with a series of hacking health cafes and workshops to prepare the community, feed the community, discuss hot topics of health innovation, and then uh, come with um, well-designed focused problems to the hackathon challenges and really after think how can we accelerate impact and how can we work uh, with partners and health institutions to really transform the culture of health innovation? In Canada, Hacking Health has a partnership with uh, Digital Health Canada, which is an interest organization for anyone with an interest in healthcare IT, uh, healthcare IT management, or related healthcare issues and uh, practices. Could you maybe um, continue with what you started in your previous answer on, on the collaboration? So what does this uh, mean if I try to imagine who the people in Digital Health Canada are? It's the people that uh, startups or innovators that are hardly coming into healthcare are trying to reach. Exactly. So Hacking Health is a grassroots organization. So uh, the uh, the different chapters, they facilitate uh, the ecosystems of health innovation. So the contacts, the local contacts, and um, really the vision to have um, all the stakeholders involved. So... <clears throat> 
Hacking Health works with universities, with the digital, with the tech hubs, uh, with uh, many other associations, patients' associations, healthcare professionals' associations, and uh, it re- it's really um, the the opportunity, I think, to uh, get the insights and the trends in health innovation and connect directly to the need knowers, being the healthcare professional, the patients themselves, obviously, and all the passionate people, leaders, community leaders who want better healthcare in their community. There's a lot of interest organizations, uh, accelerators, incubators that are doing the same. But um, uh, unlike them, Hacking Health is a non-profit organization. Is it possible to differentiate like what you offer to your community members compared to incubators, apart from the the obvious difference uh, in terms of funding. You're probably not uh, giving any funding to, to the startups. We uh, work in partnership with the accelerators. Sometimes these are leaders involved in uh, incubators, accelerators, because they really see hacking health as the starting point in terms of ideation, in terms of facilitating the the knowledge transfer between the tech community to the healthcare community and vice versa. So hacking health is really at the ideation. It's at the spark of many great innovative projects. And our partners, incubators, they um, help after the hackathon really to give the mentorship and the guidance and the sustainability to the project so they can be validated and and implemented and benefit the patients as soon as possible. Hackathons are uh, events that uh, uh, interesting parties can attend even before they have a business idea, even before they know if this is something that they want to uh, get into full time. So how do you see the role and the development of hackathons in healthcare innovation? I think uh, we should spend much more time talking about the needs And uh, actually, 90% of our time, we should be talking about the needs and coming back to the users, the user experience, and so on. Um, there There can be 10 different good solutions to a healthcare problem. Uh, we have to see what is realistic, what is feasible, what fits better at this point in terms of... Uh, Uh, human resources and and financial resources, but really uh, joining a hacking health uh, community means uh, being connected with all the stakeholders, um, seeing the different perspective and really um, spending more time with designers, with patients and talk about the technology as a facilitator. It's really technology at the service of humans and not humans at the service of technology. So it's a very human-centric uh, approach to healthcare challenges. How did hackathons look like in the beginning uh, compared to now? Did they change a lot? At the beginning, it was very organic. We just bring interested people together try uh, to bring the different skills uh, on site and then uh, people would pitch an idea, form a team and then work sometime uh, around the clock um, to actually uh, materialize a prototype by uh, the end of a 
Sunday. And then there's a jury and the most promising ideas would get support from partners and, and prizes and so on. So um, this was hackathons at the beginning. Uh, over time, with the experience of the, the chapters and also seeing the results, when we wanted to accelerate impact, not stop at the hackathon. So we realized that um, if we had previous events, as I said, um, Hacking Health Cafes workshop, tech workshop for techies, pitch clinics to help the healthcare professional and the patients really target their needs and be able to communicate about it and so on, then it would be, um, we would come to the hackathon it would facilitate team formation. People get to know each other. They're more prepared. So there's really a learning opportunity. Some of the uh, cities, more mature ecosystem, have even introduced design challenges. So they would pitch the idea and then uh, have a series of workshop um, during one month up to two months to come up at the end with um, a hackathon and final demos with much more sophisticated prototypes and already the partnerships in place to make sure that they would be validated and implemented. Hacking Health is not a movement <clears throat> just to organize hackathon. It's really to facilitate the whole uh, process of innovation from ideation to implementation, always in partnership with the people who have the right skills. I think various things can happen uh, in a hackathon. So for some people, it's just going to be gathering and learning new things. For other people, it might be uh, realizing that their assumptions were wrong. And then there's the third case when you set up a, a team of people that didn't know each other before the event. Uh, you leave them for two or three days, very different profiles, nurses, patients, um, designers, uh, IT people. And uh, they might come up with really interesting um, solutions or ideas. But then um, in how many cases did you notice that some really good ideas that come up on hackathons uh, turn into something more? So continue being developed. The success stories are good metrics uh, of success. So many of these ideas turned into startups or into programs that are um, 100% uh, implemented in the workflow of uh, health institutions. So um, we, we see that um, sometimes uh, many of the projects will not uh, turn into uh, companies. Um, People are learning the skills. Maybe at their first pitch, their first idea, they will not implement this idea, but they're learning the skills. So maybe their second, third idea will be there. And it also motivates many of the players actually to bring changes in their organization. The first time we did a hackathon within the uh, pediatric hospital at Chus uh, Saint-Justin in Montreal, after the hackathon, everyone was energized. We had 32 projects, prototypes uh, for the needs of the hospital. And then everyone looked at each other and say, now what happens? So the hospital was not even prepared to follow up with its own staff, with the outside developers and see uh, these projects, which ones have a higher um 
probability of impact, uh, which one are less complex to implement. So they built a matrix and little by little, um, with the help of Hacking Health also, they designed a, a platform of innovation within the hospital. So if you're asking about the percentage of projects that, um, turned into success stories, I would say, uh, let's take it step by step. If we're thinking about, um, the, uh, community building, connecting to the right stakeholders to make things come true, I would say it's a hundred percent. Everyone meets new people when they come to a hacking health event. Now, when we talk about knowledge transfer, really learning about tech and health uh, in disciplines that often worked in silos, I would say also it's a 100% success. Now, in a collaborative event like a hackathon, we don't have a precise number. Um, you can look at the website hackinghealth.org for examples of success stories on social media. We highlight them all the time and we see really the benefits of um, hosting events year after year. There's, um, it, it's very different. The, the quality of the project, the quality of the mentorship. And also, uh, the, the accumulated benefits of being part of a more mature health innovation ecosystem really brings, uh, qualitative outcomes. We should get better at, um, documenting. Researchers are getting interested in hacking health as a case study of diversity of knowledge and knowledge transfer. And how do you manage ecosystem of health innovation. So this is really interesting. There's a PhD thesis at uh, HSA in Montreal and other case studies that are written about hacking health because from 2012 to now, we have many years of data and it's interesting to see the, analy the analysis that um, come, come out of these studies. You described an interesting case where a hackathon took place inside a hospital and then changes actually started happening. So could you uh, elaborate a little bit further? How did uh, collaboration between Hacking Health and the hospital uh, continue after the hackathon? Did the management uh, decided that there has to be a special person inside the hospital that's going to take care of innovation and look at the processes and possibilities uh, even further and maybe in a more detailed manner? Health innovation management is a science that is emerging. It, there's no recipe. Uh, uh, people don't, uh, you know, pilot, try things and so on. So what happened is uh, one of the, um, uh, the speech therapists that won uh, the competition back in 2014, uh, Kathy Malas, she, um, she had to break all the inside barriers. She was a scientific and a healthcare professional working on the floor. She didn't want to have a startup. She didn't know too much about social entrepreneurship. She just wanted to see her prototype or project being used with her patients. So uh, she had to break all the barriers within the institutions to, to make this come true. So she developed um, know-how and knowledge and hacking health was... Um, a partner all along. The CEO of the hospital, Dr. Brunet, is a visionary. And he knew that having a dedicated person 
to health innovation within the hospital and building, changing the organizational structure. So innovation would be directly connected to the legal department, to the communication department, and to the VP of the hospital. That brought change over over the years. And um, we see that um, other hospitals that work in partnership with Hacking Health become sponsors of the hackathon. Uh, private hospitals in Brazil, for example, uh, have engaged. Um, it's different. In France, where uh, it's much more uh, oriented toward uh, public hospitals and the involvement of cities. You see that it's really the, the political, uh, the local governments who get involved in, in funding and really make sure that the, the university hospital, the foundation of the hospital and so on are involved and uh, can follow up. I'm sure a lot of good practices that you're able to share since, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Hacking Health is active in 17 countries and since the beginning, approximately 120 hackathons have already been been done. I'm, I'm really curious to know how you see the changing role of, of hackathons. Every time um, there's something uh, new uh, out there, so may it be conferences, may it be workshops, uh, you know, when you repeat them a few times, everybody wants to um, get on the next level, so change something. How, how is that with hackathons? So how are hackathons developing from the evolutionary standpoint? Yes, I think in, back in 2012, hackathons were very innovative. Uh, now uh, we have to hack hacking health. So uh, we might uh, not do hackathons anymore in 10 years. Uh, we might keep them as one of, uh, of the, the tools that help us catalyze uh, innovation. But um, the, the development is really um, to, to do a long process to bring together the partners in dedicated events many times during the year. People use all the technology. We're all, um, you know, tech users and so on. But being together in the same room and focusing on co-creation, uh, building things together, I think is priceless. So um, really Hacking Health acts as a facilitator to bring people together, break the silos and uh, co-create in collaboration in a series of events and not just a three-day hackathon. How do you pitch to healthcare startups or medical professionals to attend your events? Uh, digital health is developing uh, rapidly. There's uh, more money each year invested in the sector. And uh, due to that, there's more and more events and conferences um, happening as well. I uh, imagine it's uh, getting harder to compete for attention. This is why building a community is important. So uh, many people come back year after year and these are our best ambassadors, either as partners, or as participants. Uh, and uh, they usually are the ones that help a lot with outreach. Uh, how do we pitch to a medical professional? Um, it, you know, it's really about the needs 
And what are the frustrations? What if they can dream of a solution that would make their workflow better? A lot of the projects focused on processes, on communication. It's really the human side of it. And technology comes in to make things more efficient, to avoid um, human mistakes or things like this. But really, what hurts every day? Or what are you passionate about? And this is really where it starts. So we would host uh, sometimes uh, just ideation workshops or go and meet people um, at their workplace. Uh, we have a few tricks. Um, sometimes you go to the IT department and you say, who are the healthcare professionals that you find um, are always coming to you and bothering you and telling you, you know, make this work and so on. So these people that can be uh, perceived as annoying, uh, we call them champions because they're not happy with the status quo. They want to make things better. They're usually interested in technology. That's a really interesting approach because um, um, doctors and healthcare professionals are increasingly uh, burdened with technology, especially IT, because it at the moment still um, uh, requires a lot of manual input. So there's a bigger chance that they're going to dislike than like uh, when an IT person approaches them, setting aside early adopters and evangelists, of course. Um, so we, and on, on top of that, you know, they have a lot of clinical work and they usually, if they do go to events, they go to events that are connected to their specialty. So an endocrinologist is going to go to an endocrinology event, not a digital health event necessarily. Necessarily. Yeah, we don't, we, we will not uh, um, label uh, a hacking health event as a, a digital health event only. When we have a call for project, people think about their own needs. So if you, if it's your idea, if you co-created it and you believe in it, you become the best ambassador of your idea in your in your institution. In St. John's, Newfoundland, we had the chief cardiologist of uh, Eastern Health pitch an idea. And of course, he is the top cardiologist in his province, but uh, he feels a lot of empathy for uh, the patients and realized that when they had to fly people from Labrador into the city and could not even manage, he, he would see, he doesn't have much time and he would see patients and, and realize that their well-being was really connected to the whole flow of um, exams and him having uh, what he needs in time for the best diagnostics. So he reworked completely with a multidisciplinary team, people from the hospital, but also people from other uh, tech areas to see how can we manage better, but having the patients at the center of the solution and the healthcare professional as another user of the solution. But a co-created solution really engages all the participants. And I think this is the key of uh, less resistance when it's time to implement the solution. Do you, uh, did you ever find yourself in the position when you were being asked about, uh, more specific incentives, you know, to get various stakeholders such as doctors in, 
because um, they're already doing good for the society on a daily basis. So, you know, just because somebody says to them they're, that they're going to contribute to, to better care might not be enough uh, to convince them to take even more of their uh, free time for changes. Um, I think, you know, it, we're looking for champions, as I said. Uh, it's um, not uh, everyone is, uh, feels the urge of changing things. But um, I'll tell you the story of uh, one uh, doctor in uh, Edmonton, Canada. He lost a patient because uh, the referral is still sent by fax and the fax landed somewhere where the doctor was on leave and just, you know, he lost a patient because of this. He could not conform and he said, I will not give up until we find a solution to this. He was very much challenged by uh, the own health authorities of his province, uh, but he kept working. And he says, I'm going to test and pilot in another province if it's necessary. And um, really, his innovation journey is an inspiration for all of us. Um, the Canadian Medical Association is the national medical partner of Hacking Health in Canada. And we see that uh, they partner with Hacking Health because um, they want the best ideas. They want doctors to see the problems from different perspective. And this is what they're allowed to do. So they will promote local events to their membership uh, in that area, encourage them to come. They uh, actively participate as mentors as well. And they have specific prizes so support a whole program and, and really uh, financial incentives for physicians, innovators who have the most promising ideas. The doctor that you mentioned, um, did you follow his story? Are you still in touch with him? What was he able to achieve? Did he manage to get any uh, changes in place? Yes, yes. So we do keep in contact. And it's this is very important for us to document the success stories, but also um, to inspire other to inspire others um, through through their innovation journeys. Last year, when we had our um, major event of the year, we invited Dr. Vincent to um, share his innovation journey. So we do have a webinar um, where he shares his story and uh, testifies how, you know, what was the, the, the spark, the idea, how his participation to Hacking Health back in 2013 was um, instrumental for him to build the prototype, um, get a team. He had to bring new people on board over five years. Uh, there were countless challenges, but he never gave up. And... Um, he uh, recognized that uh, uh, being in contact with uh, other passionate people is really important to keep going. 
I know this is uh, already drilling into into details, but still, was he able to uh, achieve any change in terms of the fax machines? Fax machines are still alive and kicking in uh, healthcare systems around the globe. And it was interesting, just uh, a few months ago, I think uh, the UK uh, Minister of Health um, announced that the fax machines are going to be banned and, or are already banned. Yeah, that the, the buying new fax machine <laughs> would be banned, so they will phase them out. I think, uh, I mean, uh, it's a priority in Canada as well. So in his case, it was interesting to see that finding early adopters is the most important, because once you have a, a group of people who ad, uh, who are using the solution can give feedback and also um, actually talk to their peers. This is the way to go when you don't have support from the central health authority. So uh, in his case, from Alberta, he went to the province of Ontario to do uh, his pilot and and get a a larger population uh, and group of uh, professionals adopting the solution. And um, in his own province, he simply um, uh, contacted a rural area where they're not well served by the central health authority. So they decided, they took the initiative and they say 60 people in the region would already use this solution, Easy Referral, because they believe it's secure. The patient's data is secure. It's more, much more efficient and they know all the time where the referral is and what steps are being taken and they will not allow a patient to die because a fax was lost somewhere on the way. I think uh, what contributed to uh, a success in his case was also the fact that he was a doctor. You know, sometimes maybe if you're not coming from the healthcare space, you might have the same idea as the doctor, but uh, it's not going to get picked up that quickly because you don't have the credibility to convince other doctors the same way as their peer does. It's true. You need to have a, a need knower in your team. Uh, you can have a good idea, but I think uh, it's important to uh, team up with other healthcare professionals, can be nurses, physiotherapists, all the paramedic um, professions also have a lot to bring. And uh, the users, the patients, if they're on board, they can talk about their experience. And this is very powerful. Uh, you, your role with Hacking Health was um, the role of the Director of Global Growth. And uh, we mentioned various times that, there, that Hacking Health is uh, present in 17 countries. Is there any advice you can share regarding the scaling of such an organization, the coordination that's needed between time zones and um, uh, everyone involved? I, I'm sure there's plenty to learn. Yes. And so um, when people learn about Hacking Health, they love the concept and they contact us to bring Hacking Health to their city. The simple recipe is build a team and then map your community. See who are the partners, who are the tech hubs, the universities, uh, the local government, uh, other associations, that uh, researchers that can... Um, contribute uh, at different level in co-promotion, co-organization, or even strategically plan together uh, in the community. This is the basic and then start organizing 
hacking health cafes, little event, discuss, bring people together. And this leads naturally to ideation. People um, start talking together and, and, you know, validate their ideas and, and then they plan. Uh, what is important is um, to understand what is common between all the 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 these ecosystem is really the desire to um, to work together. It's very inclusive. Collaboration and communication is at the heart of the hacking health movement. But the institutional context is different in every country, sometimes from one city to another. And it's really local leaders who know their community better. So we, they're very autonomous. Um, there are a few guidelines, obviously, uh, to, um, be aligned with the mission and, uh, and have a certain, uh, coordination in design and, and presentation. But apart from this, it's really locally that they decide if they want to focus on certain themes, if um, they want to uh, pilot new formats of event, uh, they are always welcome to bring innovation within Hacking Health. So, for example, if somebody would uh, come to you because you would be interesting to them uh, as a global organization, what kind of support could you offer? How connected are the chapters uh, from different countries uh, in terms of, you know, um, offering information when somebody is interested in a specific market? There are two levels. Um, the hacking health chapters, uh, they exchange good practice, lessons learned and inspiration among themselves. So as a hacking health global facilitates monthly calls between uh, the leaders of the world. So everything happens on via video conference. Um, so this are very special moment where we, uh, we talk about, uh, the know-how of, uh, a design jam specific to healthcare, what kind of partnerships have brought, um, the best results in terms of accelerating impact, transforming institution. Uh, so this is very, uh, important. Uh, we connect via in between these monthly meetings, uh, we use the Slack channel to be in touch and share uh, updates and, and um, inspiring articles um, to, um, to learn together. Uh, within countries, uh, there can be more uh, collaboration. Sometimes we see, like in Brazil, in the Netherlands, uh, national coordinations. So um, they shared some of the same stakeholders. So it's... Uh, it, Together, they are stronger. And that's how we feel at global le level as well, that together uh, we are stronger. Uh, we don't have global partners yet. Uh, we would welcome um, the support of these um, really supporting leadership in terms of healthcare innovation, grassroots leadership, I think, uh, uh, is very uh, visionary. And um, also for People who want or are interested in specific market, etc. We are a nonprofit organization, so we would welcome them to participate to the events, uh, learn and contribute by being there with us on site at dedicated events. 
What uh, are your takeaways regarding various countries uh, Hacking Health is active in? Anytime a company wants to go on a new market, there's so much to learn about the culture, about the healthcare system, about the economy. So um, you mentioned that um, you're facing various cultures within your organization. Um, is there anything that, that surprised you or what were your main takeaways in the management sense when you were discussing um, with other chapter leaders uh, what their problems uh, are? We are a global organization and we certainly liaise a lot among ourselves. And we found out that sometimes even more than some of the multinationals. So we have um, uh, tech companies like uh, IBM, uh, AWS, and others that have supported Hacking Health in different countries, but they don't talk to each other. Same thing with the pharma company or other global organizations. It seems they are quite fragmented um, between they have different leadership and priorities from country to another, while we are more coordinated. So it's interesting uh, to see that sometimes they want to come only as observers and we encourage them to really um, take part and live the experience, um, allow their staff to be immersed in collaborative action. We mentioned in the beginning that um, you lived in Brazil before moving to, to Canada. Is there any experience you can share uh, from from the healthcare system. So both healthcare systems are are public, but um, is is there anything that you could say, like just your personal experience with both these systems? Well, first of all, uh, it, it, in Canada, it's more of a it, it's a public system. While in Brazil, you have a uh, the private and the public system. The main difference is the population. There are two hundred and ten million uh, Brazilians. While only uh, uh, 36 million of Canadian, more or less. So uh, the size of the population is different. Um, uh, the the primary care, um, the attention that needs to be uh, given to patients um, across the territory is is is, uh, is of different magnitude. So obviously, Brazil doesn't have the resource to have a um, extensive to reach out to all the population on its territory so um, the challenges are great and um, it was very interesting to see the chapter of Hacking Health Santa Catarina tackle uh, the real source of the problem not say just you know the wait line is uh, is too long uh, the ER is overcrowded they really thought what can we do and say we will not change the fact that there will be a wait line for um, specific health services, but how can we hack the waiting line? So how can we make sure that communication flows like people, uh, the no-shows, we can avoid the no-shows, we can avoid people that come to the uh, to their appointment without the result of their exam. Um, how can people... Uh, be more agile in communication and make sure that if you're um, if you're on standby that you can and someone uh, is not able to go to the, its appointment then you can just uh, you know quickly 
react and have access to the healthcare you need. So uh, really uh, not working with the data and all the, the, the flows of work of um, in the hospital was important to understand the problems and how the patients would like a certain flexibility on the side of the healthcare professionals also uh, be more agile and, and be able to see uh, more patients, but at the same time uh, give quality care. So um, it's, uh, it's really, um, this is the meaning of hacking. Sometimes people think about it in a bad way because of uh, security issues and privacy and so on. But hacking is also doing much more with um less resources. It's not the healthcare system that can pay more in Brazil, for example, and neither in Canada. So what can we do with uh, existing resources, reallocating human and financial resources to give uh, better care to patients? What's your further motivation uh, for for being a part of the whole digital health and, and hacking health area? Uh, a great motivation is to to bridge the generation gap. Um, you know, the young people are connected uh, to technology. Uh, the 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 older generation, uh, and I'm not just talking about 65 years older, but the people who are 80, 90 years older, still active. Uh, I think it's very important to um, value their participations, finding more and more initiatives where you bridge the generation gap and bring uh, uh, maybe wiser people together with the young people. That, that's a really uh, good point, by the way, because I feel that uh, a lot of times older people or older professionals are not seen as the drivers of innovation. We always see younger people as the one that really, really want change. But maybe we should change the lens and try to uh, find a way to encourage uh, uh, knowledgeable, experienced professionals to share their knowledge and somehow turn it around into the better good for the future. Exactly. So that's where when that's where social science come come in, ethics, philosophy. Uh, this is what we need more and more in the tech world. And um, older people have experience. And I think, again, it's bringing people to experience uh, events, co-creation, working together that changes people. This was the 31st episode of Faces of Digital Health. Stay tuned and check out the previous episodes as well. Episode 30 features Hal Wolf, the CEO of HIMSS. You can find topics such as the healing power of music in the clinical setting, what the genomics has to do with blockchain, how should medical education be reinvented, and more. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating or a review in iTunes, and stay tuned.